How is everybody this morning? Good. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. If you know me very well, um, you know that in this duo here with my wife, she's by far the best part. Um, <laughs> you weren't supposed to say anything there. You were supposed to be going, no, you are. Uh, but we know that's not true. I was going to just let her preach, just let her go for it. I mean, she was over there doing it anyway. Uh, why don't I just step to the side and let her have it? Now, the funny thing is, is she's extremely introverted, and uh, she never likes to do stuff like that, but she always, like, does an incredible job. Um, this is a great, a great privilege to be in here. I don't get to be in here with you guys very often. We have cafe, and cafe tends to, uh, with the conversation and all that, happens uh that happens after cafe i hardly ever get out of the cafe room till like eleven twenty, so i don't get a chance to be in here with you most sundays um what you saw up here it was the cafe band this is the typical cafe band that we have every single sunday in, in cafe and uh, we're just so privileged to have incredible incredible musicians and singers uh to do that they're some of the best and uh i was telling eight thirty and tell you that um what you saw up here is a lot of younger people uh, including David, right? And uh, but if you are if you are single and looking for somebody to be engaged to, this is the place to be. Um, Jacob and Heather, Justin and Shelby, just in the last six months have been engaged, and they were you know it all started right on that stage. I'm just kidding, but uh, so like I said earlier, if you're single and ready to mingle cafe band may be for you. So, Ethan Hunt's up there. He's the one with the beautiful hair. And he's, he's the one on the drums. And I've been like, dude, you got to get on it. We, we got to have another wedding next summer or something. So, uh, so anyway, I'm just, just messing with you. Y'all love that, I know. All right, Exodus chapter 14. Um, a while back when Pastor Tim had told me that he was going to be out this week and and uh, he asked me if I wanted to preach. I was like, of course, and started thinking through what I was going to preach. And, and I thought through, you know, it's September the 25th, 2016. And that date is pretty significant when you start considering what we're going to be doing tonight. And that was one of the things I was thinking through when I was going to preach this sermon. Uh, what we're doing tonight is after the service, uh, the night service tonight, we are going to be voting on planning a church in Warren County in the year 2017. Um, our, we have a huge vision here at Woodburn Baptist Church, 2020 vision of planning churches all across uh, the world, the country. But one place that we wanted to do that is right here in Warren County. And one of the reasons for that was um, 150 years ago this next year, Woodburn Baptist Church was planted. Um, how many of y'all remember that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Warren's getting close. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll get fired for that. But uh, tonight, we get to vote as a church whether we, whether we do that. Um, and that's one reason I was thinking, okay, this, this service, this Sunday morning service can be one of those times where I cast vision for, for Journey Church. That's what we're, we're planning on calling it, Journey Church. Um, I've put myself and my family kind of forward as, uh, as available to be the pastor of that church, the church planner for Journey Church in Warren County. 
And so it's a big night for us as a family, but it's also a big night for Woodburn Baptist Church, of, of the idea of Woodburn Baptist Church taking the step into the future uh, of church planning right here in our own county. Uh, our vision is to plant a church that is multicultural like none other in Warren County. I don't know if you've, how many of y'all went to the International Festival yesterday? Anybody go to the International Festival? Some, some of you did. Um, I love that. I love that festival. It's an incredible festival. The smells in the air of the food cooking from all over the world is just incredible. The people from all over the world. Um, and a lot of those people are from the community that we're looking at to plant a church. And I've just fallen in love with, with those people and the idea of just being in those homes and reaching people that don't speak English and, and all that. Um, we're looking at the area of Preston Miller Park, Morgantown Road, and, and Veterans Memorial, around the Walmart area there. And uh, that's, that's the area that we're looking at. And at some point, pending the, the vote for tonight, I don't know how the vote will go, yes or no. I think my wife's going to vote no, but I'm just kidding. But uh, my kids may. They love it here. And uh, the, the idea of, of casting vision this morning was one of the, the temptations. And I know that needs to be done, and it will be done from this stage. And it will be done in small groups and with individuals and, and things of that nature. Um, but as I was looking through this passage, which would have been very easy to take this passage and say, okay, this is about Journey Church. This is about Woodburn Baptist Church taking the step into the future as a church planning church and, and, and winning the lost in Warren County. It's easy to see that here. It's easy to see, see how God could take us in that direction. But as I was looking through this passage, Exodus chapter 14, I couldn't help but, but think about our, our, our people and our needs, and myself included, of how um, the past that we all have tends to try to come after us and enslave us again and destroy us. And that we as individuals and as families and as a church we do have a, a future to step into and that God has called us into a purpose that is beyond ourselves, a promise that he's laid out there for us as families, as individuals, as people. So as I was looking through this, the, the idea of Journey Church kind of faded away for the needs of, of all of us in this room. Um, so as we go through this, it's, it's an incredible thing to look at, at, at the nation of Israel and how they came out of Egypt and how God called them into something incredible and something bigger than themselves and this promise that he had for them and to call them out of the past that they had lived in for centuries. Um, but I do want to catch you up on the story before we jump into the passage. The nation of Israel had been enslaved to the Egyptians for over 400 years. The entire existence of the United States is barely over 250 years. So you think about generation after generation after generation of Israelites only knew enslavement. They only knew beatings. They only knew hard work without any reward. They only knew the life of being a slave to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. That's all they knew. But they knew something was better. They knew Abraham. They'd heard of Abraham. They'd had that, that oral history with Abraham in the promised land. They knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew that, that Joseph had been sold into slavery. They knew that, that he had been down there to basically save the world from hunger. They knew that he was second in command in Egypt. But something had gone wrong. A Pharaoh arose that didn't know Joseph. 
And then enslavement happened because the Israelites' numbers grew and the Egyptians were like, we've got to do something about these people. We've got to, to control them or kill them. So they decided to control them and put them into forced labor. 400 years later, Moses came along. And Moses was called by God to, to rescue the people of, of Israel and call them out into a, a future that was incredible, a future that was promised to them, a future that was, that was an incredible purpose for their lives. And, and through a series of events, that took place. But my thing is, is, is if you look back, if you look like, back at like Exodus chapter 7, it would, if I was Pharaoh, and, and I'm going to get a little interaction here this morning, if I was Pharaoh or if you were Pharaoh, how fast would you kick the Israelites out of your country? Now, you got to think the Israelites were a number of about a million people. Um, they were a huge force. They were around 600,000 men that were working age. So they had 600,000 unwilling but able slaves. But God showed up on the scene through Moses and began to rescue the, this nation. So if you look in, in the plagues, I don't know if you know Bible history or, or what happened with Egypt and Israel, but the plagues happened. God sent a series of plagues to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Now, the thing is, is with every plague, God says, I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. So understand that this plague's not going to work, but you're going to do it anyway because I'm about to prove a point. Okay. So in Exodus chapter 7, you have the plague of blood. How many of you are a little squeamish around blood? Anybody? Don't like blood? Rather not be around it? Okay. Um, Moses stuck his staff in the water and all of the water, the rivers and the lakes and things like that in, in Egypt turned into blood. Those of you that are squeamish with blood, how many, if you were Pharaoh, you'd be like, that's enough. That's it. You're out of here. Yeah. It's like, he's like, yes. Um, the next one. So if you're not squeamish with blood, what about frogs? Anybody just detest frogs? You don't want them like on you and things like that. Around Woodburn, we have, we call them plagues. We have beetles and we have all kinds of stuff, flies, I guess because we have cows and things. But for some reason this summer, we've had tons of frogs. Not just any frogs. We had tons of tree frogs. Has anybody else seen tree frogs like everywhere at their house? Uh, the green, I, when I was a kid, I called them green sticky frogs. And so I just thought I called them. They're green and sticky. So it's a good explanation of them. But this plague in Egypt... God sent frogs, but not just like a few frogs that we see here in Woodburn. Frogs that would crawl into bed with people. Frogs that were in showers with people. Frogs that were in cereal bowls. Frogs that were in your couch. I mean, on and on frogs. I mean, just, ah, uh, it's just like, I don't want your little tentacles or whatever they are on me. Those suction cups, you know. It's, uh, it was funny, in, in Haiti this summer... Um, and, you know, everything's not like the United States, okay, just in case you hadn't traveled before. But Haiti, uh, Ethan was on my trip, that part of the trip, uh, where we had showers like an outdoor shower. It was basically like a little concrete wall with a, a sketchy little curtain and a, and a, and a shower head. Uh, and I got in there the first day, and it's cold water, number one. And, and I'm sitting there, you know, doing my thing, showering. And I had a lot of hair back then, so it was down to my shoulders. I was sh shampooing. And I look over there on the wall, and there's this frog. And he's going. <laughs> I'm, like, looking right at me. And I'm like, you know, like, oh, 
creeper, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? Get away. And uh, every day he was there and he would hop along the wall. I don't know if anybody else saw him, but you know, we talked, you know, while we were in the shower. Uh, I sang to him and stuff. But, uh, you know, you just don't want that. If you're creeped out by frogs, that would be a plague to be like, dude, Israel, out of here. The next one is this. I love these. Plague of gnats. Anybody like gnats in their ears and their nose and stuff? God sent gnats to the people of Egypt. Just all over them. And you're just like, man, I would be so about getting them as far away as possible. The next one was the plague of flies. House flies um, are the scourge. Is that a word? Scourge? Scourge is probably the right word of the earth to me. Um, I declare war on flies every day in my house. If there's a fly, usually in my bathroom around the window, it doesn't hit in the window, I take the, the towel and I just go berserk. And Dawn's like, what are you doing? And I'm like swinging it, and I, the fly's over there somewhere. But I'm, I'm giving it to that fly, and eventually I will connect with this fly. But flies, and not just one fly, like thousands and millions of flies just attacking you and on your food and in your face and things like that. That was a plague. And if I was Pharaoh, I'd be like, see you later. Next one was plague against livestock. This is where God um, destroyed and killed the sheep and the cows and, and you know, your livelihood. And they would just drop dead right there in the field with disease and things like that. Next one was festering boils. Do I have to even explain? You may show you the picture that I've got. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Festering boils. Um, if I was Pharaoh, I'd kick them out. Plague of hail, just hailstorms that destroyed crops. Uh, if you're a farmer, in chapter 10, you have the plague of locusts, where the locusts would just come in and destroy the rest of the crops that the hailstorm didn't, didn't destroy, eating up everything, all their food supply. The plague of darkness. Anybody scared of the dark? You don't like the dark? You can be honest in here. It's church, people. Okay. Uh, plague of darkness and just darkness over the land. And then the last one. The plague of the firstborn, where God created the, the feast of Passover and then the angel came in, passed over the land. And if the blood was on the doorpost of the house, he passed over. If it wasn't, he, the angel went in and killed the firstborn of Egypt. And it seems like way back, Pharaoh should have been like, I'm done, I'm done. But it took, it took this killing of the firstborn for Pharaoh to say, get out, get out. I'm sick of it. We can deal with it. You've got to, to get out of here. That's, that's the past. That's the past of Egypt and Israel. And, and Israel had 400 years of slavery, 400 years of torment, 400 years without ever seeing the purpose or the promise of God being fulfilled in their life. 400 years of that. And as I look across this room, I know that you don't have 400 years of history, but I do know that every person in this room has a past. You have a past. Um, the nation of Israel, they, they had a past. They had a lot of it. But the thing is, it was sticking with them. And they had something, a future out there to step into. And what I have to tell you this morning is even though you have a past, no matter how good, how hurtful, or how bad it was, you do have a future. And you have a future to step into, a future that God has for you. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through Exodus chapter 14, kind of verse by verse, and see how the Israelites stepped from their past, which I see as Pharaoh in Egypt. They stepped away from their past and stepped into the future that God had for them. And how we can also do the same. How we can step from our past into the future. So look, look to the, we do this sometimes in youth and cafe and different places. So I'm going to try to get y'all, you guys livened up a little bit in here as well. But I want you to look at your neighbor and say, step into the future. Oh, y'all are so funny. It's not a secret, people. Okay? It's not a It's something that you got to be all about. You can't go, step into the future. No, step into the future. Let's try it one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, step into the future. There it is. It's funny. It's funny. You know, y'all are funny because last week when Pastor Tim was preaching on you know what, uh, and when he said, look at your neighbor and say, you got a glorious body. All y'all are like, you got a glorious body. You know, y'all are all about it. Some of y'all were weirded out by that, I know. But some of y'all are all about it. So I want you to be about the future today, okay? The future. It's a little easier to say, right, than glorious body. So <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, verse number 5. Let's, let's go ahead and jump in. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. <laughs> Just don't get this guy. After all that happened to his people, he changes his mind, and the slaves became the most important thing. He says, what have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they ask. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. The people of Israel raised their fist in defiance and left what they had known for generations. They left what they had known for their entire lives, the existence that they lived in, the past that they had. They raised their fist in the air and said, we are done with this. There's got to be something better. I'm going to try harder this time. I'm going to, I'm going to, this time is going to be different. It's that idea of determination and defiance. We are not living this way anymore. We're going to something better. There is a better future out there. But the past doesn't like it when you do that. And this is the truth I want you to look at this morning. The past doesn't want to just hold on to you. It wants to enslave and destroy you. As we're, as we're just talking about the past, as I mention the past in this room, many of you, I guarantee you, have flashbacks. You have things pop up in your head. You have choices you've made. You have, you have people you've done wrong. You have things that have happened in your life. You've had situations to occur. And all of those come flying up into your head about your past. And that's the way the past is. No matter how defiant you become, versus the past. No matter how determined you are to, to do it better this time, the past always is chasing you down. And it just doesn't want to walk up to you and give you a, a handshake and, 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 and bless your life and say, hope you have a good future. It wants to take you back over and it wants to enslave and, and destroy you. Just like Egypt and Pharaoh did with the Israelites. The Israelites only knew 
what was in their past. They had had this life for years, but they were defiant and they were determined to walk away from that and to step into a future that God had purposed for them. But the past continued to come, come on, on them. Um, have you ever been there before, though, a fit, fist raised in defiance against the past? You know, you've, you've lived this life, but you were like, you know what? I, this time's going to be different. You, you look at your wife and you're like, I, I, I promise I won't say that again. I promise I won't do it like that again. I promise I'll be a better man this time. Have you ever looked in the mirror before and looked at your face and said, I, I prom- I'm going to promise myself I'm just not going to do, do it again. This time is going to be different. This time I'm, I just got to make the right choice. This time I, I've got to follow through. And every single time you cycle back into your past and you cycle back into what you know and you cycle back into it in such a way that enslaves you and destroys you. The past doesn't want to just hold on to you. It wants to enslave and destroy you. But you've left it with, with fist raised in the air, defiantly, determined. But every time, every time that we do that, and I, I may be wrong, but I don't, I don't think I am, Every time that we do that, determined to go into a future that's better than what we have, um, something happens. Let's look at verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I think in everybody's life, and I know it's been this way in mine, when I've been determined to go in the direction that God wants me to go, following in, in his footsteps with, with myself or my family or my ministry. Um, when I've been like all about it, and this happens at camp all the time with youth, um, they're all about Jesus, and they're all about what God has for them, and then they get back home. And we're, we're the same way. We get back home, or the, the, the idea kind of settles in, and fear and doubt begin to creep in. We doubt, and did God really say that? I don't know if he really wants me to go in this direction. And the fear kind of creeps in. It's like, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if I should, but I don't know about a paycheck. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. What will people say? You know, if I really stand up for Jesus, if I really go in this direction, if I really step into ministry like that, I don't know what's going to happen. So the fear and the doubt creep in. And that's exactly what you see here with the nation of Israel. Their their fists are raised in defiance, leaving Pharaoh like, get you some of that, Pharaoh. I'm going in this direction. I'm going where God wants me to go. Oh, Moses, you sure about this? You know, they, they see Pharaoh and the army coming, but they're like, they, all these questions, why did, you, why did you bring us out here to die? Why have you left us out here in the wilderness? You know, and they get down to the bottom there, and it says, it says uh, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They only see two options here. They only see two options. It's either go back to their past that's enslavement or die right here. They don't see their future. God's already told them there's a future. Leave. 
Leave Egypt. Leave your past. Because there's, there's a promised land for you to conquer. There's a place for you to go. Remember Abraham? That's where you're going, and it's yours. Just go towards it. But they're like, well, we've got to go back to be slaves, or, or we're going we're gonna to die right here. And the thing is, is, is this, the past you know seems better than the future you don't know. Am I, am I right? Even, and that, and that, that, this is their mindset. They know that it, the past is slavery. The past is torture. The past is, is just terrible. But they know how to live in that. They know how to exist in that, in that way. So they'd rather do that than face an unknown, even though the unknown may be exactly what God has for them. They'd rather live a life of slavery. And there are so many people sitting in this room this morning that would rather go back because you know it. You know how to deal with drugs. You know how to survive. You know how to deal with the, the misery of a messed up marriage. You lived in it for so long. You know how to do all these things. Instead of going in the direction that, that God has for you, the, the path that he has for you. And it may be a hard path. You know, the, instead of living in a, the misery of a marriage is, is getting some counseling, really working hard on your marriage and praying together and doing these things that you've got to do to make it good. You know, it's making the hard choices, but it's so worth it. But you think, think, man, it just seems better. It seems better to be a slave than going into the unknown. And God says, just, just give your fear to me. And the thing is with doubt and fear, I was thinking about this this morning. Doubt and fear are not necessarily bad things. Because some doubt and fear can drive you to your knees and drive you to Christ. But it's when you allow doubt and fear to overwhelm you and drive you back away from Christ, that it becomes dangerous. And, they, and Moses knew that these people were in that, in that boat. They were, didn't have just enough doubt and fear to drive them to, to God. They had the kind of doubt and fear that was driving them away. We can't keep going this direction, Moses. We're going to die here. And we're okay with that, or we're okay with being enslaved, but we can't take another step in this direction. We're too afraid. We're too doubtful. So Moses knew that. So he gathers people, his people around. He says this in verse number 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I don't know if you read that like I read it. You got to think about what's going on. They're headed towards the Red Sea right in front of them, and they've got the most powerful army in the world behind them, coming up on them. The most powerful army in the world is coming back to enslave them, to kill them, whatever they got to do to conquer them. And Moses looks at them and says, Stand still, don't move. And I read that and I was like, What? Is that the wrong thing to do? If I was the Israelites, I'd be like, Moses, don't you want us to at least scatter so they don't get us all or kill us all? Don't you want us to at least hide behind a bush or a tree or in a cave or do something? Why do you want us to stand still here? The Israelites or the Egyptians are coming on us. They're going to kill us. They're going to enslave us. What are we going to do? Stand still? That's stupid. Don't kill us like that. 
And Moses says, stand still, don't be afraid. This was a a pivotal moment in the nation of Israel's existence. And I have to think that it's also a very pivotal moment in some of yours. Because what Moses was trying to get the Israelites to do was to stand still long enough to learn how to trust God. Look at the words there. This is exactly what Dawn was saying as well in, in the worship set. It says this in verse 13, when Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still, not to just stand still, but stand still and do something. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. They had to get to the point where they trusted what God was going to do through them and in them. And if you are going to get to the promised land in your life, there has to be a time when faith overwhelms fear. Now, this right here, it's not the absence of fear. Because if you know anything about stepping into the unknown and stepping into the future, it's, it's terrifying at times. It is doubt-filled at times. It is like, how am I going to take the next step in my life? It is fearful. But fear will drive us back to the, um, to the past. It will drive us to a place that we don't need to go. Or we can let faith overwhelm fear. And we have to stand still long enough and watch God do what only God can do in our life. Because so many of us are fixers in this room. We fix, 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 fix. And sometimes God says, I just want you to stand still and watch. Watch what I can do in you. You can let fear drive you to the past. But he's actually saying here, he's like, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Step into the future and trust me. Just trust me with this. Someone here today needs to hear that. Someone here today needs to hear you can trust God. Because from time and time again, many of you, your trust has been broken of God. Because you didn't understand or you didn't see where he was working. You didn't see the path that he was trying to take you. But he wants you to understand that you can trust him. Someone here today needs to just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Somebody needs to stand still and watch the Lord rescue you from your fear today. Someone needs to stand still and watch the Lord rescue you from your doubt today. Some of you need to to stand still and watch the Lord rescue you from your addiction today, from your choices today, from your past today, rescue you from yourself today and your thoughts today. It's not where you rush out here and start doing things. It's where you, you fall before the God of heaven and you understand that you can trust him in the circumstances that you're going through. It's trust. And Moses understood that. He's like, these people are fixing to go back to enslavement or just lay down and die in the wilderness. And so many of us have been there. I'd rather go back or just die where I am. But God says, I've got a future for you. It's full of purpose. It's full of promise. And I just want you to step into it. But right now, trust me. And watch me fight for you. And I love that in verse number 14, I marked this just earlier in in the day. It says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. It's not that God's going to send a representative. He's not going to send an angel to, to take care of you and fight for you. God himself will fight for you. Is that not good news? That God himself thinks enough of you to step down personally into your life and fight for your marriage and fight for your life and fight for your future. That's God. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we love. That's the God that can be trusted.
today. But you know what? We can't just stay here. Once we understand that we trust, we can trust God. And that's something we have to preach to ourselves time and time and time again. Because no matter how many steps we take into the future, the past still creeps up on us and the doubt still comes for us. And you got to keep preaching to yourself, I can trust him. It's hard, but I can trust him. It's scary, but I can trust him. I don't know where I'm going, but I can, I can trust him. But he says here, he's like, get beyond staying still now. Look at verse number 15. This is incredible stuff. Notice that the Lord says this. God says this. He says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. He says, get moving because I'm about to do something. God says, get the people moving. Get them on their feet. Help them take steps towards the Red Sea. Help them take steps towards the future because I'm about to do something. Your past is over and your future is ahead. Get moving. Step into the future. Get moving. Let's go. Let's do something. He says in verse 17 and 18, it says, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My glo- great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his charioteers. And when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. What he says is, is I'm about to get glory from your past. Your past is going to come up on you. It's going to come up in your head. It's going to come up in your life. It's going to try to attack you, and it's going to try to enslave you. But watch. Get moving. I'm about to get glory from that. And I love the words here in verse 17 and 18. He says, my great glory will be. He's pretty confident. God's confident. He says, my glory will be displayed. And then he says in verse 18, when it, when it is, when my glory is, the Egyptians, not just the, the soldiers and the Pharaoh that you see out here, all the Egyptians, all of them back home, all of them back there where you were enslaved, they're going to know. They're going to know it's me doing this. And this is one of the truths that you need to know right here. And this is one thing that we, we believe as Christians, we try to believe as Christians, is God will get glory from your past. And that's a hard one. Some, some of you got really difficult past. But as Christians... We're supposed to believe that. And that's a hard one to believe sometimes. That one day, God's going to get glory from it. And that's what we want to believe. One day in eternity, God's going to make all the wrongs right. And he's going to do this and that. But, but right now, it just seems so hard. So I was thinking through this whole thing about God getting the glory from your past. And this is important to believe. God will get glory from your past. But this is, the, this is maybe more important for where we are. God can get glory from your past. He can. No matter how difficult, how desperate, how bad, how many bad choices you made, how far down in the barrel that you went, God can get glory from your past. And I know some of you just can't see that at this point. But that doesn't mean I I shouldn't say it. He can get glory from your past. He can. 
So God is orchestrating this thing, and he's, he's trying to get the Israelites just to take a step into the future with the past right behind them. And he says, listen, I'm going to get glory from it. And all those Egyptians back there, even though they're not here today, they will know that it was me that did this. And, that, and I started thinking about that, and it's this idea that, that all the people that you dealt with in the past, all those people that you did wrong in the past, all those people that were hurt in the past, all those people that you went to school with or work with or whatever in the past, your exes and your this and that and your in-laws and things like that, the thing is, is, is once God starts working in your life, when he starts fighting for you and you start stepping into the future that he has for you, there is no doubt that those people in the past that are looking and saying, oh, that won't last, they'll never make it, that, that marriage will, will end again, that marriage will end just like the other ones did. And, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to just do what God wants me to do. And all those people see God working in you and God begins to get glory through your life. And they look and say, well, I know it's not them because they ain't got it. God has to be doing that. And that's exactly what he's saying here. It's not just Pharaoh and his chariots that's, that, that I'm getting glory from. It's all those people back there that are looking at you. They're going to know that it's me doing this in your life. Look at verse number 19 and 20. I love this. It says, Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front, from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire and, light, and uh, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. And this is the truth that I want you to know here. Is uh, the God who is guiding you, is also the God who is guarding you. So this God, this pillar of cloud that is leading them along the wilderness, zigzagging through the wilderness, ultimately to the Red Sea, ultimately to the promised land, is also the God, the cloud that, that lifts up and goes to the rear of the camp and protects them to give them time to build their trust in God, to take the steps necessary to step into the future for their life. So you need to understand that, that the God who is guiding you, that you should be following with your life, is also the God that's going to, to get your back. He's the God that's got your back, okay? He's the one that you can trust because he's back there as well, not only in the front guiding you down this path. Uh, verse number 21 says this, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. Let me remind you where they are. They just walked through the wilderness to the Red Sea. Now, this, is, this would be like where Egypt is, and this is where the promised land is, and this is where they, somewhere close to where they crossed. It doesn't make any sense. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says that, that once Pharaoh kicked them out of Egypt and sent them away, that God led them a, a different path. He didn't lead them through the, the quickest way to the promised land, the less water and uh, the easiest path straight to the promised land. He led them down and then over to the Red Sea, which didn't make any sense. And this What's happening here is, is, is God's, uh, God's doing something. He's not just opening it up and saying, oh, if I take a step in the right direction, he just opens up the path and you're directly in line with everything glorious. But what he's doing is, is, is trying to teach them that they have to continually trust him. So he takes them to the Red Sea, a big obstacle in the way. 
big body of water with the army, the past coming on them as hard as they can. And they're sitting there wondering, what in the world are we going to do? And we already know this. In order to get to the future God has for us, we must face the past that is trying to destroy us. We know they're coming. We have to deal with that. Okay? We have to deal with that. We have to deal with that through trust and faith in God. But now, in order to get to the future God has for us, we must anticipate the obstacles in front of us. Obstacles that God led us right into. That God led us right into. And I have to say this, and I think it's true. If there's not a Red Sea in front of you, then you're probably not headed toward the promised land. There are going to be hard days. There are going to be difficult things. There's going to be stress. There's going to be pain. Um, the passage that, and I just thought about it, the passage that you read when it says, you know, we're bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and all the Spirit has told me is there's probably going to be suffering in jail ahead. Is that, is that about what it said? Suffering in jail ahead. And it's like, God, you know, if I'm stepping out by faith into a future that you are giving me, this purpose of God that, that you are giving me, shouldn't it be easy? Shouldn't it be something that I just float into? But God says no. And nowhere in the Word of God it ever says it's going to be an easy path. It's never going to be an easy path. In fact, those hard times, in which we all hate and I never want, but, you know, we tend to get them, are opportunities for us to deepen our faith, which, are, which is a hard deal. But if we're going in the right direction, if you've got an easy road, then you're probably going in the wrong direction. But if there's a Red Sea in front of you where you have to give yourself up, you have to trust God, then more than likely you're going in the right direction and you're following God the right way. It's not supposed to be easier. It's not supposed to be quicker. And then at verse number 23, I just, you know, it just continues. It says, Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Okay, th this is the thing. You think, man, it's got to be over by now. Good night. There's an obstacle. God opened up the path in the Red Sea, as you see, which we didn't even read. But in verse number 22, it says the Bible, the Bible says the Lord opened the, the sea for them to walk on dry land. And so they're like, okay, finally, maybe, maybe we're, we're doing this thing. Maybe we're stepping out into the future now, and God's going to take care of us all the way, and we've we're got a clean shot to the promised land. We've already exercised our faith. We've already trusted in God. But they get into the middle of the Red Sea, and there comes the Egyptian army. And my thought was, dudes are stubborn. Okay, if I was the Egyptians, I would have gone back and sat on my couch and ate Cheetos and watched Netflix um, instead of continuing. Because think about this. They're, they're following along the Israelites, coming up on them, and then this cloud goes to the back of them and just kind of settles. And then when it starts turning night, it turns into a big ball of fire. Okay. If I'm in my chariot, I ain't going no further. How many of you would continue if there's a big ball of fire in front of you? But they're like, you know, they're just continuing. We got to get them. And then uh, the next thing that would have made me turn back is the, the whole parting of the Red Sea. You know, parting of the Red Sea, you know, wind and walls of water. And you're just, they're just like, oh, I got to get, you know, they're just like, you got to do our job. So they get there in the middle of the Red Sea. And then what happens is interesting. You know, it's one of, those, one of those points where faith begins to break down again. 
and it's in the middle of the night, and they've been through this over and over again. And in the middle of the night, they start falling apart. But have you ever been there? Have you ever tried to have faith? Have you ever tried to make the right decisions? Have you ever tried to go in the right direction? Have you ever tried to understand? But there seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That night drags on and the enemy's still coming. And you don't and you don't know what you're gonna do. The end doesn't seem to be in sight. There's no light of day. And then verse 24 says, But just before dawn, before it's too late, before they catch up to you, before the past overtakes you and enslaves you again, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He, he twisted. He actually pulled off the wheels of the chariots, making their chariots difficult to drive. And this is what the Egyptians finally said. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. So they're like, we're done. God can have them. We're out of here. But God, remember, he says he's going he's gonna to get glory from their past. And, and just them giving up is not enough. For your past just to lay down and submit is not enough. God wants to utterly annihilate and destroy what your past has tried to do to you. So as they walk across the edge of the Red Sea, God says to Moses, raise your staff. Wave it over the Red Sea. And he does, and the waves and the wind crash. And the whole Egyptian army is annihilated, destroyed. Every single one of them, it says in verse number 28. And I love this, this moment. I call this the mic drop moment. This is where Moses wrote. He says, and that, verse number 30, and that is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. I mean, can't you picture that? Moses walks out there and he says, he holds his mic out and he says, and that is how the Lord rescued Israel that day. Boom, that's my God. You know, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Because it is so, he's filled with truth and it's just filled with a, just an explanation point, just saying, this is what God did. This is how he conquered our enemies. This is how he conquered the past that we'd lived with for decades and centuries. This is all we knew. And God shows up and does something amazing through us. And that's my God. And that's what he did. I love that. But this is the thing, verse 31. They step across the, the edge of the Red Sea, and verse 31 says they were filled with awe. They walk across the Red Sea, and they look back. And they look back, back across the Red Sea, and they just stand there with their mouths open going, Oh, my goodness. God did that. And they knew that in front of them this way was the future. There's a promise. There's a purpose for their lives. But God did that. And they'll have other moments throughout the years where they fail and faith wanes and it's just like us. Or it goes up and down. But one day they'll walk through the promised land and they'll look back and say, God did that. 
See, the thing is, so many of us, so many of us are there now. Some of you are there right now. You're, you're stepping into the future. You've already stepped across that Red Sea. You've, you've made those decisions. You, you've followed God, and you're able to look back and see his work. And I guarantee if we stopped right now and, and, and opened it up for a mic uh, testimony time, there's a number of you could say, God brought me through this and this and this and this and this and, and onward. And there's so many of us that could follow that path. This is what God did for us, and we're stepping into the future. But some of you are standing still right now, and you are in desperate need for God to fight for you. You're in desperate need for God to fight for you. You desperately need to trust him, but it's hard right now. I invite you to stand still for as long as it takes to know that you can trust him with your life and your family and your future. Stand still and know that. But some of you this morning need to get moving. Now, you need to step into the future. God's calling you to be a leader in your home. God's calling you to be uh, in ministry of some way. God's calling you to be, uh, uh, to share Christ at your workplace or at your school. God's calling you to, to step up in, in some way. And he's calling you to do that. And you've been sitting there and you know it. It's time to get moving. It's time to move. It's time to do something for God. It's time to step into the future. Will there be obstacles? Yes. Will there be Red Seas? Yes. We were singing the song, is it resurrecting? That has, it talks about the mountain. No, it is well. It talks about the mountain in your way to be cast into the sea. God does that. There'll be mountains and there'll be obstacles, but it is so worth it to move forward and step into the promise and the purpose that God has for you. Step into the future. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you, God for the truth of Scripture. Thank you that you show us from uh, a story 4,000 years ago how we can be just like the Israelites, full of fear, full of doubt, full, full of bad choices or whatever. But you continuously come back and say, you can trust me. And all you ask is to take, take a, um, a step in the right direction, a step towards you, a step to follow you into the future that you have for us. Lord, I pray for the ones that need to get moving, that need to step up and say, God, I don't care what it is now, I just know that I've got to follow you. I pray for the ones that, are, that show, showed up this morning uh, broken, doubt-filled, fearful, feel like they can't trust you. God, I pray that they would just stand still and know and see you work for them and fight for them. Lord, I pray that, that the past would not overtake us and enslave us, but that we'd walk towards freedom and we'd talk, walk towards the purpose of God for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's